0: In the realm of conservation politics, there's a lot of bad things to report, but today we're going to focus largely on some good things happening in Virginia, one on the energy side and the other pertaining to Virginia's inaugural elk hunt, which commenced on Saturday and amazingly enough finished within two days of starting. I'm going to give you guys an overview of Governor Youngkin's energy plan as well. But I figure we touch upon these two very important topics. One as it relates to improvements to the energy system we have in place here, repealing bad policies, proposing new rulemaking, and making Virginia a leader in energy production, utilizing all of the above, but especially resources that we already rely on, primarily natural gas, and really going full throttle with nuclear. I touched upon this a little bit on WMAL, on O'Connor & Company, with my friends Larry O'Connor and Julie Gonlock, both of whom I've worked with in different capacities and have known for quite some time. And this will be an expansion of what I discussed on WMAL, O'Connor & Company, this morning. So I hope you guys check out the resources I provide. We're just going to give a snapshot, and I encourage you to read beyond What we provide here, but it'll be a good overview as to these two very good developments on the policy side and then also on the economic and conservation side with the elk hunt. Last week, Governor Glenn Youngkin released his 2022 energy plan. The plan is about 35 pages long and it could be viewed as maybe model type of rulemaking or planning that other governors can adopt. I really haven't seen. Anything of this sort at the state level, perhaps in recent years or in recent memory, maybe it's the first of its kind. But I really appreciated the governor rolling out what his plans are for energy production, energy ingenuity here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. If you guys don't already know, certain policies were quietly ushered in by the previous governor, Governor Ralph Northam, and Democrats at the General Assembly when they fully controlled state government. And a lot of people were unaware of what they ushered in. They pushed in this really problematic law called the Virginia Clean Economy Act, which is viewed as our Green New Deal. In that law, and also supplemental laws, they also passed regulations for supposed combating of air pollution. They also tied us to California's emission standards and phasing away of gas-powered cars by 2035. The governor has pledged to get us out of that agreement. We also, in addition to passing the VCEA, it also bound us to the 11-state regional greenhouse gas initiative, which is billed as a carbon market, but as I've reported at the Virginian Pilot and at Independent Women's Forum, it is simply a carbon tax. So what this market does is it disincentivizes producers, companies in this example, from using carbon-intensive goods and using carbon-intensive products and services and you'll be penalized if you do that. And like any tax, those costs are passed down onto consumers. So the governor has rationalized that getting ourselves out of it will not subject us to having to pay more for consuming using carbon intensive goods, which are often maligned, but often keep us prosperous and keep us manage to have a good standard of living. He wants to get us out of Reggie, that's what it's called. He also really went deep into his support of making Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia, a hub for nuclear energy. If you guys don't already know this, Virginia actually produces a lot of nuclear energy. Per our electric grid, if you look under the Energy Information Administration, which is a subsidiary of the Department of Energy, 29% of Virginia's utility scale electricity net generation is nuclear energy. And nuclear, if you aren't already aware, a lot of environmentalists have dismissed it. They've said it's dangerous, but more people, including preservationists, are coming around to nuclear. I saw this point of the governor's plan on social media actually embraced by a lot of Virginia Democrats, people on the left, people in the middle. People responded very positively to his point of making Virginia a nuclear hub, which I really appreciated. Overall, the plan boasts five guiding principles, reliability, affordability, innovation, competition, and environmental stewardship. If you don't already know this, I want to defer you to WalletHub, which has assessed energy costs of all 50 states plus the District of Columbia, and it currently puts Virginia in the 15th place, 15th most expensive state in the union. They say in their findings that the total energy costs, accounting for monthly electricity, monthly natural gas, monthly motor fuel, and monthly home heating oil gas, comes out to average about $514. And if you have looked at your Dominion bill or your Appalachian power bill recently, costs have been going up for electricity and just about everything across the board. And it doesn't help when you have federal policies also discouraging cheap energy production as well. But I digress. and because of the Virginia Clean Economy Act being adopted, we are starting to see more. We're paying more to transition to solar and wind, which are unreliable in many instances when you put it wholesale, when you put it on a big scale. And that is why we're seeing costs go up. It's not Russia's war in Ukraine. That may have a little bit of impact, but it's policies Here at the state level and even federally as to why we're paying more at the pump, why we're paying more in our electric bills. What I understood from reading this about the governor's overall goal in trying to dismantle the VCEA, he can't legally do it at this point because this was codified and signed into law by Governor Northam. So he has to wait until he has control of both chambers of the General Assembly, our state legislature, by January 2024 if state Republicans win the Senate chamber back in November of next year. To fully dismantle it but my understanding was that he wants to defang the vca he wants to withdraw us from reggie he wants to not have us phase out gas-powered cars from the commonwealth of virginia if you guys don't already know in terms of the current fleet of cars here in virginia what is sold in terms of possession according to most recent findings i made sure i included this in my town hall article when assessing the governor's plan Only 0.5% of the vehicular fleet is electric vehicles, about 40,000 cars, just shy of 40,000 electric vehicles, whether they're Teslas or similar type of cars, of the 8.3, 8.4 million cars that are on the market or rather owned by Virginians. And the governor had said in the plan, or rather his plan says that in addition to substantially raising costs, this is about uh, the shortcomings of solar and wind, Retiring baseload generation in favor of solar wind will reduce Virginia's electricity reliability. For example, nuclear is three times more reliable than both solar and wind. As a result, the industrial world relies on continuous baseload generators such as natural gas, nuclear, and coal. Cost technical concerns related to utility scale and transmission upgrades demand prudence before removing current baseload capacity. Also, the plan had... Further elaborated like this, at this time, solar and wind generation are affordable in many locations, but battery storage systems required to turn these generation sources into dispatchable energy are cost prohibitive. I encourage you to read the plan for yourself. I think it's a smart plan in contrast to what we're seeing emanating from the Biden administration, his Department of Energy, Department of Interior. I think it could, if adopted properly, reduce the cost and really make Virginia a hub of energy production. We have a lot of natural resources. That are being underutilized, and those resources can be developed very safely. And this is kind of segueing into our next story, but if you guys don't know, relating to elk, elk in Virginia are residing and brought back in coal country. And they have inhabited and really thrived, amazingly enough, on reclaimed coal fields. You can't say the same about solar and wind, land that has been exhausted by solar and wind technologies. It doesn't have that same benefit or same renewable benefit to it where it could be repurposed without a lot of problems entailed in it. But regarding the Virginia elk hunt, I've discussed at length about the Virginia elk herd. I have gone down to southwestern Virginia to the Grundy and three counties where the elk now inhabit and where this past weekend, the first inaugural elk hunt commenced. There were five lottery winners drawn from the elk lottery tag. I entered into it and I did not win, unfortunately, but I'm hoping in the future I will, and I can have that opportunity. But five tags were from the lottery system and a separate six tag was dispersed and issued by the Virginia chapter of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. So six hunters, I think five of them were in state and one may have been out of state. I don't know the exact specifications of that, but I know most were primarily Virginia residents. They, within two and a half days of having the opportunity to chase elk in the three counties in Buchanan, Dickinson, and Wise counties, the season uh, was taking place between October 8th and October 14th. But because all tags have been harvested, the season now ends because that quota has been met. And because of people contributing and entering to the lottery, our elk tag lottery, we had over $600,000 in conservation funding generated from the 31,000 people, myself included, my dad too, and some friends that entered into this lottery to pump back to elk conservation efforts. And if you want to revisit kind of the elk management plan, I can include links and I will include links in the show notes for you guys to revisit. And one individual who I've spoken to for Conservation Nation early on in the series was Leon Boyd, who was one of the key people behind elk reintroduction efforts. And then Leon brought on other private stakeholders, landowners. He's cooperated and worked very closely with the Virginia Department of Wildlife Resources, which previously was the Virginia Department of Game and Inland Fisheries. But he's worked with the state. He's worked with private stakeholders to really assess whether or not there is the potential and viability to bring back the elk. And within ten years of the elk management plan being adopted, but this was decades-long effort. This is not just ten years. And whoa, the elk are back within ten years. Many, many years of planning materialized into the formal plan being adopted and elk being reintroduced. And I think elk were formally reintroduced sometime in 2012, if my memory serves me correct. And within ten years, it's amazing that the elk reached a sustainable number—about 400 individuals—which was the determination in the law to legalize the hunt which was signed into law by governor north and one of the few things that he did well in the commonwealth of virginia but it's a bipartisan effort you had democrats and republicans overwhelmingly support the creation of the elk tag according to the elk management plan and that management plan said we will allow a highly regulated lottery hunt once 400 individuals are witnessed in the herd And that is what materialized here. And within such a short amount of time, within a decade of elk being reintroduced, formally speaking, to Virginia, we now have a lottery hunt. That is conservation at work. A lot of people begrudge hunters and elk hunters, big game hunters, because they don't like the act of hunting or they misunderstand how conservation funding works. Obviously, the mechanism from which conservation emanates is technical, but pretty easy to understand. You have the Pittman Robertson Act of 1937 which says that excise taxes will be collected on guns, ammunition, licenses, things that sort on the hunting side. And similarly, on the fishing side, there's the Dingle-Johnson Amendment, where you have an excise tax collected on voting, licenses, tackle, things of that sort, as well as a companion to Pittman-Robertson. And whenever you buy guns, whenever you buy a license, and also in nonprofit organizations, they raise money outside of the excise taxes collected as well, combine those two together, you're getting millions of dollars, if not billions, cumulatively speaking, but a lot in Virginia too, on an individual basis that are going back to supporting conservation efforts to ensure that the elk herd remains strong, that they're not poached, that their population continues to grow. And it's not counterintuitive to protect the elk for hunter enjoyment, especially in a highly regulated fashion. Hunters care very much about the elk coming back and elk not being extirpated from the state the last elk was the eastern elk variety there was a separate variety it's a little different from the rocky mountain elk that they put here in virginia from kentucky but the last eastern elk was extirpated from the region in 1850s and it's now full circle where you have elk thriving And people can view, and you don't have to hunt elk. You can go down to Southwestern Virginia, the three counties that comprise the elk management zone, and you can admire the elk and see them very freely. There's elk tours, there's opportunities to do animal viewing, just to get a feel for the region because that region does need a lot of economic support. They've been really hit hard by a lot of natural disasters, economic downturns. The opioid crisis has really hit them too. And any money generated from the elk We'll go back to helping those people. Really good salt of the earth people. So I really encourage you, whether you hunt and you want to enter into the lottery, or you just want to see the elk herd for your eyes and just for personal fulfillment, if you like admiring wildlife, because hunters do also admire wildlife as well. Definitely go down there, especially when they're bugling. What do you think of my assessment of Governor Yunkin's energy plan and kind of thoughts on our inaugural elk hunt and the success that has already been seen with it in the short amount of time that it's already happened let me know your thoughts thanks for listening to district of conservation i hope you enjoyed today's episode if you haven't already make sure you find us on your preferred podcast player we largely circulate on apple spotify and countless others but those are our two big podcast platforms we want to push make sure you are subscribed there especially on apple If you like the podcast a lot, go leave us some reviews. We'd be more than grateful to get some five-star reviews from you guys. Moreover, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and a little bit on YouTube. We don't populate there, but connect with us on social media. Find me personally on social media with blue check marks. Super easy to find, and I would love to hear your feedback and know who you'd like to see on the podcast. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. Stay tuned for the next episode.